Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. podcasting. Welcome, welcome, Rebecca Kuhn. Am I saying your last name right? You are. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Um, I'm so excited about everything you do. Um, I took like a few tiny notes just on like your background and I was like, wow, how have you made it through 100 episodes and not found this woman yet? (laughs) You're amazing. But I want to let you introduce yourself. So you tell the audience who you are, how you, you know, what you're doing in the world, why you would say yes to being on this podcast, like whatever feels right for this audience today. Perfect. Um, Yeah, so I'm a sexuality educator. I've been doing that work for a super long time. I actually started as a peer educator way back in high school. And then I was a a full-time sex educator with Planned Parenthood for a long time. Um, And then I did some other stuff, but I always sort of stayed connected to sex ed. And when my kiddo was born, and they're nine now, I realized that there just weren't a lot of sex ed resources out there for Mm -hmm. young parents of younger kids. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of focus on puberty and there's a lot of focus on high schoolers, especially around like STI and pregnancy prevention and then consent in more recent years, which is all great and important. But if we wait until they're starting to go through puberty, it's like kind of, I mean, it's not too late, but we've missed a lot of opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. To like give them the scaffolding they need to really understand their sexuality and their bodies and their relationships. So there just weren't a lot of resources out there. So I decided to use my sex ed background to create my own. So that's what I do now. Um, I work with elementary and middle school kids in my local schools, but mostly my focus is on working with their parents and caregivers Mm. um, because I love working with kids directly, but I actually feel like I can have the biggest impact by working with the folks who have the most access to them, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like supporting parents and caregivers um, who, you know, we're the ones with our kids in and out every day, having those conversations, um, you know, modeling what it looks like to be a sexually healthy person in the world. But so many of us just grew up either without any access to sex ed at all, or with pretty bad sex ed. Um, And a lot of us grew up in households where it just wasn't discussed, right? So we just like don't have good models. We don't, a lot of parents don't feel prepared. Um, So that's what I do. And I have um, courses and a podcast and a bunch of different ways that people can work with me. Is your podcast sex ed at home? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I started listening. Oh, thanks. (laughs) it's interesting like my girls are older they're teenagers it all felt a lot easier to me to like just like navigate their way through and then listening to your podcast I was like whoa raising a son somehow feels like a lot different pressure like a lot like it's it's such a it's really different (laughs) like not finding the words but it's really different like And even noticing how different it felt for me, like for me, 
This is about helping the girls find their voice and their confidence and like respect themselves and mm -hmm. protect themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then with him, I'm like, wow, just culturally, like this is a really different conversation. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's such a good insight. Like it's, it's with girls, it's like all about empowerment, right? And there's a really positive sort of um, feeling to the messages that we want to send our girls. And I think with boys or kids who are socialized as boys, it feels le like that feels sort of like a minefield to because you don't really want to be like, yes, let's em empower masculinity. Like, <laughs> that's so problematic, you know, but at the same time, we don't want them to feel like, how do we raise good men essentially this is so right? interesting because just this week i and maybe <laughs> you can give me live parenting advice <laughs> i'd love to if i can just this week i ordered a sweatshirt that said badass feminists like adorable sweatshirt and my son who's seven found it like right out of the package tried it on he he was like I love it. Can I have it? Like the whole, like, so into the sweatshirt. And then I said, like, do you want to know what it says? Because <laughs> he just saw a black sweatshirt, white words. It was like just comfy and soft. And, um, and then I was like, how do I even describe the word feminist to a seven-year-old boy? And I said, yeah. feminist means you love and support women. Like it was like the quickest, shortest words I could come up with. And he tore it off. I'm not wearing that. Like I want oh, one for boys. Interesting. And I was like, whoa, you can be like so immersed in the world. And still like, I, I had to like stop myself from freaking out. <laughs> like what, how how would you not want to love and support women and girls like mm -hmm. any all people but like it was really really a like parenting humanity like check moment yeah what did you do um i didn't push it too hard and i reminded myself to just keep introducing the topic Mm -hmm. And I asked, like, why wouldn't you want to love and support women and girls? And he was like, I just want one for boys. And I was like, it got to this place where it was not the time to it mm -hmm. to me. I didn't feel like I don't know what to say. I just felt like he's not open to receiving yeah. this right now. Yeah. So I've taken it. This is like three days ago, four days ago as just like, okay, that was just showing me more of where my work is. And I just have to keep integrating. Beautiful. But whoa, <laughs> it's like, I can't tell anyone this story. Now I've just told it on the podcast, but no, like, I definitely mean, I, a weird moment. Like what? what do you I mean, mean, you won't wear it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I can, I could totally see where that reaction comes from. I also think like, think just thinking about what's developmentally appropriate for a seven-year-old and they're so invested in fairness and, you know, it's just like, yeah. It, I, to me, when you tell that story, I think, and of course I don't know your kiddo, but I think, you know, it's not that he, he's not interested in loving and supporting women and girls. It's more just like, well, what about the boys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, right. I want one too. Yeah. 
it's not fair funny because last week oh my god this like this is a podcast about abortion I swear we'll get there (laughs) last week he came home and said um Urso goes by they and Mm -hmm. I was like great and we started having that conversation and then he said and she Mm -hmm. and I was like and they and then we like stepped into that conversation I was like oh my gosh he's gonna teach me so much more than my girls ever did (laughs) yes yeah even when they were in elementary school those were not conversations I was having as a parent 10 years ago yeah like 10 years ago when she was in second grade no no one I mean we live in like rural small area but like no one was talking about pronouns yeah or no one was identifying in any any way that like in their class anyway of 30 kids right like yeah I was like wow 10 10 years is so different (laughs) I mean it has changed so much in the past 10 years it's just amazing and I think it's beautiful that kids are you know able to embrace and inhabit their genders in that way and that parents like you are open to having those conversations at home and I've noticed you know like I said I've been a sex educator for a really long time and I've noticed just even in the last two to three years how much more the younger kids that I work with already know about gender just because there is more openness and acceptance and ability for people to be like fully themselves in the school environment, which I think is so awesome. So I was teaching a class of middle schoolers last spring and I was doing a whole session on sexual orientation and gender identity. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Like we, we already know all this. (laughs) And I was like, okay. But it was great because it just like, you know, it's actually the, I find the parents and caregivers who need a lot more I support need a lot and education. More. Yeah. Like I'm so immersed in the world and I still mess up all the time. And oh I, yeah, me too. Like said to my husband, like, okay, well, I was telling him that story. I was like, I guess if I'm going to teach it, I'm really going to learn it now. Yes, <laughs> like, for sure. But wow. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the topic of my podcast is about abortion, which is obviously connected to sex ed. So how do you see the, like, what's the conversation you want to be having with the world about, about abortion from your perspective? Yeah, such a good question. I mean, I think Well, so I mentioned that I started my career at Planned Parenthood. I've always been staunchly pro-choice. I'm on the board of my uh, local abortion fund. Like Mm -hmm. this is a big part of my life and it's important to me. Um, Unfortunately, what I don't get to talk about it that much with kids because I work in school environments and it is such a stigmatized and politically charged topic. Um, But like for me in an ideal world, I think abortion would just be part of the conversation, like from a very young age. Um, And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel taboo, right? It would just, it would just be normalized um, with kids as a medical procedure that people sometimes have. Um, And actually I talked about, so I've had an abortion. I had an abortion Mm -hmm. in 2017 and um, I talked with my kiddo about it. Yeah. Uh, when they were like five or six, right. it just came up um, mm-hmm. because we were talking about um, 
it's it came up that somebody that kiddo knew at school their mom had had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and so they were sort of asking questions about that and i was explaining what it was and i was explaining that i had a miscarriage before my kiddo was born um and as i was sitting there having that conversation i was like well okay so i've been pregnant four times my kiddo knows what the outcomes of three of those pregnancies were and why am I not talking to them about this fourth one? Like that doesn't actually feel congruent or like aligned with my values about abortion, but, yeah. e but the stigma is so internalized that I just like what didn't even think about the fact that I was leaving that part of my story out in this conversation yeah. with my kid about my pregnancies. And so I had this moment as a parent where I was like, I have a choice right now to like either be in alignment with my values or not. And I, I need to be brave and I need mm. to just like step into my courage and tell my kiddo. And so I was like, yeah, I just said like, I've actually been pregnant four times. And the fourth time I had an abortion, do you know what that is? And of course they didn't, they had never heard of it because they were five years old um, or six. And I was like, yeah, it's a medical procedure that people can have when they're pregnant to end the pregnancy. And that was it. That was like the, basically the whole conversation. They were like, okay, yeah, can I have some more cereal? <laughs> you know, but I just like that. I think that's what I wish is that it yeah. could just be yeah. normal. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen the book? Um, What's an abortion anyway? I think that's what I don't think I've read it, but I've heard yeah. of it. Well, I think it's just getting printed now. It was like okay. a pre-order kind of. Yeah. But there's, there's a book stepping in that direction of just having the conversation. Yeah. Um, I've definitely talked to my, all three of my kids and yet yeah, noticed the different language I've used for each of them in different times. Mm -hmm. Actually, even um, I was talking to my 17 year old yesterday and she was watching um, Reversing Row on that, like the documentary mm -hmm. for school. And she said when she started watching it, she was like, abortion is wrong. Mm. And like, she's like, this is what you do. And I, I could feel how wrong it felt because I was hearing what the, that side of the movement was saying. And then, you know, as I kept watching, I was like, no, it's not, no, it's not wrong. But like, it, it's been a different conversation, like all throughout, um, I think when mine was little, when my son was little, it was, I did have a pregnancy and that baby did, I decided not to bring that baby into our family. Yeah. Um, for me, the language baby is what, is what works, but yeah, it's just like finding the age appropriate language. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, the conversation does evolve. Like that's the yeah. perfect thing. And all you need to say to a little one and then as they get older and they become teenagers, then you can bring in more of the social justice aspects of the conversation, right? But if they don't, if they start out by not even knowing what an abortion is or feeling like it's something that's shameful that you can't talk about out loud, then that sets them up to have a certain idea about abortion when they get to the age where um, it's sort of more developmentally appropriate to talk to them about yeah. the, the political environment that abortion exists in and the different moral beliefs that people have about it. Yeah, and even like, like yesterday, I had to make room for her journey of 
her starting to see the nuance of it even more, mm-hmm. right? And like, that's all my work is like, I do call it a baby in, in my story. I do think it's sad. I do think it's hard for some of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay. That's just like part of being human and part of being life. Yeah. Um, when she, when I was talking to her year, even two years ago, it was like, of course, abortion's amazing. And I should have access as a teenage girl and like all of it. But she hadn't even like contemplated that nuance of it. Like, mm-hmm. and it can feel sad too. Yep, totally. So it's like the changing conversation too. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because I think to me, it sort of seems like abortion is so polarized with like on the one side, we have to think about it as a baby and we have to think about how horrible and sad it is. And, you know, and on the other hand, like there's, I think the pro-choice folks have gotten, I want to be careful how I say this, like, because this is a community that I'm a part of and aligned with, but I think sometimes as a backlash to the, to the anti-choice narratives, the pro-choice side sort of feels like they have to defend abortion in this way that negates the sadness that some people feel or the regret that some people feel or um, the fact that some people do think of it as a, a baby you know like there's not room for that those feelings and that narrative if we like I think there's a sense that in order to advocate politically and socially for this right to be available to people we have to like shut down the narratives that don't fit or that like could be counter to that and I don't think that's helpful either right so I feel like that is exactly why I was terrified to like start speaking I was like no I do think we need we need access I do think abortion is amazing and yeah and 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 it's funny because like you you talked about it earlier as a medical procedure, which it totally is. And like, if somebody has a mastectomy or a hysterectomy, like we allow room for sadness. Yeah. Like there's sadness in that because it's a change of identity. It's like That's a right. transformation. It's a, it, it's a reflection on all of your life and your future and why wouldn't we do the same for abortion? Like, of course we have to make room for all of it. Yeah. It is a medical procedure and it comes with feelings. Totally. I was having a conversation with um, a friend last week and she was saying, well, I'm not pro-abortion. I was like, that's like not being pro-chemo. She's like, well, I wouldn't choose it. I was like, well, I might not choose chemo if I had cancer. Like, and pro-abortion yeah. because it should exist in the world. <laughs> like, right. Not because I'm 100% going to get an abortion every time I get pregnant. Yes, right. Like, it's like the language around all of it is just so muddled and divisive and yeah. funny. Like it's, I think it's time for a change in all of that language. Totally. Um, totally agree. Okay here we are. What else do we want to talk about in regards to what about, what about just like 
education for parents, right? Because you work with a lot of parent population. Mm-hmm. So how do we as parents come to terms with our own beliefs so that we can find the language for mm. our age appropriate children? Like what's the skill we learn as parents so that we can talk to our children? Hmm. I think like another way to word the question is how do we teach something, be available to have conversations about something Mm. when we haven't come to terms with it ourselves? Like is the answer always to like do the inner work first, find Mm. out what you really think and feel about it before you even try to talk about it with other people or kids, or is it to just like get in there and get messy? I mean, my, my inclination is to get in there and get messy. Mm -hmm. You know, I think for most things that is the way forward. And I think when we don't do that, um, I mean, certainly there might be some exceptions, right? There might be some things that you really want to be clear on the messages that you want to send. And I, and I talk about this a lot when I coach or in my courses that like being in alignment with our own values as parents is an important piece of the foundation of having good talks with our kids. And because they learn so much from just watching us, even if we're not saying anything to them, it's real like we're conveying a lot that we might not even be aware of. So it's really important for us to be like in alignment. But I also think that sometimes that's not possible and that's okay. And that Mm -hmm. sometimes the way forward with our kids is to just be like, you know what, I'm not sure like what I think Mm -hmm. about this, or Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the best way to talk to you about this, but I think it's really important that we do talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so let's just talk about it. And I think like the beautiful thing is, I mean, there are a couple of things like one that shows our kids that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. It shows them that you trust them Mm -hmm. and that you trust their ability to like sit in uncertainty with you and to help you figure things out. And I don't know about you, but I'm like a very relational thinker. I figure things out by talking to other people about my ideas and learning from them and hearing their perspectives. And sometimes it's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And yeah, I agree. Or sometimes it's like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And I'm noticing like my body is really tensing up and like that doesn't actually sit well with me, but I didn't realize that until I heard you say it, you know, it's like very clarifying. So, and I think we can do that with our kids and it's, it can be a really valuable process. And I think one of the things that parents and caregivers so often do around sexuality and probably because we so many of us grew up with like the talk right (laughs) is that we think we have to have it all down in like one or two conversations but actually that's not how kids learn about sexuality they learn through continued conversations over all the years that they're with us that evolve and change as their needs and their interests evolve and change, right? So Mm. there are certain things that we might have to sit down and have like very intentional talks about, but for the most part, they're learning from us through lots of small interactions that are very short and like sort of fit into the fabric of our day-to-day lives. 
like yeah. the ones you were talking about earlier with the sweatshirt right. and the pronouns right. in your yep. son's class, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are the, actually the moments. And so I think trying to figure out like, oh, do I have to be in total alignment before I sit down and have this talk with them? Sometimes that might be helpful, but actually a lot of the time it's going to be more fluid and messy than that. Yeah. It's going to be like in these smaller moments, or it's going to be like, gosh, I don't know, but I've been thinking about this and let's talk about it. Yeah. So I'm just thinking a lot about like this belief that as parents, we're supposed to know what we're doing. We're supposed to be right. experts. Like, right. <laughs> so not the case. It's so true. It's so true. And so it's the same here. Like, I think one of my favorite things to feel like my favorite state to be in is curiosity. And so yeah. just like, be curious about it. Like, yeah. let them teach you, you teach them, learn together, like, just see what, see what happens. Yeah. And also like, I'm just never afraid to, that's not true. It's not never. <laughs> I'm usually willing to go back and be like, Hey, I've been thinking about that thing we said. Sometimes yeah. even those yeah. words are hard to get out. Right. Yes. But, um, I want to always be able to go back and say, Hey, I've been thinking about that thing, or I did do some more research, or mm -hmm. I just listened to like, sometimes I'll just send my older kids a podcast that I thought was interesting or yeah. um, think that's like where you were headed with. It's not a one-time thing. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. can go back and you can change your mind and you can yeah. repair and you can, you know, and that models for our kids too, that you don't have to have it all figured out. And if you say something and then later you change your mind, you're allowed to go back and say, Hey, I've been thinking about this. And it also shows them that our ideas um, about ourselves and the world and the things that we care about can evolve and change with time as we have different experiences and gather different information and that yeah. we don't sit in these fixed viewpoints and that we are constantly evolving. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for them to learn. Yeah, I, I think so too. What's, what's sticking out and coming up for me is the trigger of I don't even know if triggers the right word, but it's the best one I have in this moment mm -hmm. of you're allowed to go back and change your mind. You're, you know, and I think so many listeners are like, but I'm not, that's the problem. The decision mm -hmm. I made can't be reversed. Right. Because mm -hmm. like we, mm -hmm. we apply it all to like our abortion experience. Most yeah. people are here for that reason. Yeah. Um, and that's a conversation I have with clients a lot is like, yeah. Yeah, but this one I can't go back and change. That's true. I think there's almost an illusion that like, well, you can't really go back and change everything and you can go back and change anything. Like, mm. you know, if you take that left turn and get in a car accident, like you can't like, or you miss a car accident because the car accident would have been on the right. Like we think I get the, do you know what I mean? How at the same time you can't go back and change anything and you can go back and change anything. Yeah. Like, I think for me, the work with abortion is like, no, we can't go back and take that specific pregnancy back. Right. But we can use it as an opportunity to like 
learn and grow and change. And what was it about making that decision? What was it about afterwards that was amazing for me or hard for me? Or Mm -hmm. we're always just sort of like moving in one direction or another. Yeah. Um, But I think that is a hard piece of of the abortion conversation a little bit is like, yeah, but I can't go back. Right. And so what do you get do really if you stuck really regret it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I let people keep that regret. Yeah. And so the same thing with parenting and talking to your kids about it, right? Like yep. maybe I said something and I do regret it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can say, I wouldn't say that again if I could go back and change it, yep. but I did. I'm not going to not regret it. Yep. And I'm going to move forward. I'm going to keep showing up. And yeah. try again. Yeah. And also like, what can that regret teach me? Right. Right. If I like, maybe I'm a religious person, which I'm not, but let's say that I am. And I say to my teenager, like abortion is a sin that's murdering a human life. Mm-hmm. And then I grow and change and I can go back and say to my kid, like, you know, I do want to change how I feel about that thing that I taught you when you were yeah, 13. Totally. Um, that's the part where you, we can learn from, we can learn from anything and turn yes. it into something new. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think new doesn't have to mean positive, right? No. Like I, I think sometimes there's, when I hear something like that, I have this reaction that's like, um what am I trying to say like um, I don't know that's not a complete thought never mind you can edit that part out. but I think you're right like you don't have to make it all pretty right like new doesn't have to be pretty right <laughs> new can still be messy yes new can and that's the part where I always say like you can keep your regret if you want like yeah you can right like you don't it doesn't mean making it pretty, making it happy, making it positive. It right. just means like seeing it for what it is mm-hmm. and honoring that, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything with your experience working with Planned Parenthood that you want to share before we wrap up today? Hmm. Like, did that time in that organization teach you anything that people might not understand about Planned Parenthood or that? Mm. um... Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think that it's a little hard to know because I worked there for so long, Mm -hmm. like what I understand about it versus what the general public thinks about it. But I guess like the biggest thing that was surprising to me when I started working there was that abortion is like a tiny sliver of what they do. Yeah. They they really do so many other things. Mm. Um like 90, I don't know, this is a made up statistic, but like yeah. 95% of what they do <laughs> is like education and other healthcare services. And um 
and that they just provide such value to the communities that they're in. And, and yes, there's a whole problematic history with Planned Parenthood and the ways that they've interacted with communities of color and continue to do so. And we need to not ignore that. And also like without Planned Parenthood, so many folks would not have access to affordable STI screenings and breast and cervical cancer screenings and like, sex ed in schools and all of these other things that they do. Um, mm. So I just think they're a really important organization for reproductive rights um, and healthcare. That was just making me think in, um, in the parenting conversation, like I was, I was like, so in the birth world, like I went to midwifery school and I was a doula and all my mm. friends were like in the birth world. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea where I was supposed to get an abortion. I was like, do I have to like drive really far away to a clinic? Like, oh. like I had no idea, but that's another piece of the parenting conversation is like, I am not your only resource. Like mm -hmm. here's where you can go for this information. And here's where you can go for that information. And yeah. like, I couldn't believe how little I knew when I yeah. found myself pregnant, like super reproductive savvy person and I had no idea huh. I was like the wildest thing but like with your kids and this conversation is like that's a place that you yeah. can go if you need yeah. help and I'm not the person you want to see or we can go yeah. together or totally yeah setting our kids up with the resources they're gonna need mm -hmm. yeah especially the teenagers yeah. Making sure that they know where to go if they don't feel comfortable coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. So on that closing note, do you have any favorite um, book resources that you offer families in terms of sex ed? Yes. So um, these are not abortion specific. They're just like no, general yeah. sex ed ones. Yeah, but yeah. for little kids, I love Corey Silverberg's books. Um, he has one about reproduction called What Makes a Baby that I yes, think is amazing. I love those books. <laughs> and then Sex is a Funny Word is a great one for slightly older, like around oh, I haven't probably seen that. nine or 10 year old range. Okay. Um, so I love those. And then my favorite puberty book is called Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes Too. Oh. Um, and it's by Sonia Renee Taylor, I think. Oh, Hold on, let me yeah. just check make sure that's correct. Celebrate. Yes, that's we'll right. link to it too. Okay. Celebrate your body. Yep. And it's nice. changes too. Yeah. Nice. So Sonia Renee Taylor is the one who did, um, why is it not coming to me right now? You're nodding. So I, yeah. Uh, um, cause it's not coming to me either. The colors the body are coming love. purple and orange. I like, yes, black. I can, um, <laughs> I can picture the cover. What is that book called? I'm, Your I, listeners are probably screaming right I now. Know. Like it's they this are one. Screaming. I, it's in my car right now because I keep it in the car to look at. Like the body is when, not an apology. Yes. <laughs> Jeez. Good job. Thanks. Thanks. Um, um, I have not seen Celebrate Your Body and Its Changes too. That's awesome. It's Good. great. It's a Good. puberty book yeah. for kids with vulvas and those who are socialized as girls. And it oh, is okay. like the best oh my gosh. puberty Amazing. book ever. I love it. <gasps> That's really good to know. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, great. 
We will link to all three of those books and to you, where can people find you right away if they want to go seek you out? Yeah. So my podcast is sex ed at home and it's on all the big podcast anywhere people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at every dot body talks. So every period body talks. Mm -hmm. Um, and my website is www.everybodytalks.co. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Amanda. This is really fun. Thanks That's for having really me fun. on. We never know what's going to come up in these conversations. I love it. <laughs> it was That's perfect. Great. All right, everybody. Until next week. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.